Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Glad you're here this weekend because um, the message that I'm bringing this weekend, I believe, is an extremely important one. It's kind of like a like a, a little side journey into going deeper into what our relationship with God is supposed to be like. Or, if I could put it this way, what or how has God made himself available to us that we can experience a relationship with him that's going to be so much more real than maybe what we have been up until this point. So I, I want to start off by just... The, the whole reason this thing has kind of evolved was I was kind of been put in a position a couple of days ago to answer a question. What is it that I love that would cause me to overcome obstacles, to press through, to kind of like go the extra mile in order for me to fulfill the call of God in my life, the assignment in other words. What is it that you love? And when I came face to face with this question, obviously just like in your life, you, there's not one answer. But the first thing that kind of popped up in my heart was my desire, the thing that I love the most is, is that I get to teach the Word of God. And the reason I love to teach the Word of God is because I love to teach it in such a way that it corrects misconceptions. Now, let me explain that because when you just hear that, if you don't know me, you're going to think, well, are you just going around correcting people? No, what I'm saying is this. There are some times that we entertain misconceptions, and I'm going to talk about that word, based on wrong facts, wrong perception, maybe tradition that you were raised in, a certain type of way that you were trained that God is or what he does or what he doesn't do or your particular slant on the word of God. Now, when I was typing this on my computer, when I typed the word misconception, it's like it jumped off the screen. You ever had that happen? All of a sudden, the word is just like, boof. And I looked at it and went, wait a second. Misconceptions. Missed conception. When you and I entertain the wrong perspective about God, if you have a wrong, I don't like to use the word interpretation, but if you've been taught the wrong perspective about a particular principle in the word, you're going to miss conception. Now, maybe this will help you understand what I'm saying a little bit more. The word of God is presented to us in seed form. When you came to Christ, I'm assuming that those of you in this room that have already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, 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 are, you would consider yourself born again, you're going to heaven, you're a follower of Christ. It didn't happen like this. You might say, well, you're still, like with me, you know, uh, just this past week on, on April the 25th, it was my 34th anniversary of the night that he gave my life to Christ. That was April the 25th. But God had started working on me years before. There was a little seed deposited here. It was watered there. 
somebody came along and kind of took the weeds out where it was growing. And, and, and then one day, I got on my knees and I said, based on all these seeds that were deposited in my heart that started to bear fruit, you understand what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, one day, I said, God, if you're real, I give my life over to you. You can do whatever you want with it. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. So, so the, here's what I said. Now, if I was entertaining the wrong perspectives about salvation, for instance, like some people think, well, you know, I'm a good person. I go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. I didn't do drugs. I didn't steal, all these other things. Well, whoop de do. Now, you can entertain that perspective all you want, but that's not how you get to heaven. So what would happen? A person, and it happens all the time. It's happening probably right now. Someone is departing this earth right now with that misconception that they were good enough to get into heaven. And so they missed the conception of that seed in their spirit, and they missed out on salvation. Are you catching this? So when we entertain misconceptions, we miss the opportunity to conceive and give birth to that thing that God's word is supposed to be bringing to birth in your life. And we can't afford to do that. Now, you getting this? Let me give you some examples. Because I believe it is, it is extremely dangerous for us to hold on to misconceptions. All right? It will cost you in life, it will cost you in your relationships, not only with God, but it will cost you in relationships with one another. Now, listen, here's one of the most dangerous misconceptions. And we hear people say this all the time. We may have said it ourselves at one point in our life. Here's this misconception. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. If God wants me to possess this or possess that, or if God wants a certain thing to happen in my life, he knows where I live, and he can just do it. That sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? It sounds, it sounds, that sounds great. Because, you know, God is God, and God is sovereign, and God is all-powerful. There's only one problem with it. It's completely wrong. Here is where I want to get to. I might as well just jump in, and then I'll kind of just throw it at you, and then we'll clean it up, all right? The majority, unfortunately, and here's a misconception that has to get corrected. The majority of people that call themselves believers and call themselves Christians do not understand that the relationship that you have with the Father is cooperative. It's a relationship. A relationship, by nature, requires more than one individual. Yes or no? But most Christians think, well, you know, this is it, and I'm born again now. And whatever God wants to do in my life, he's going to do no matter what, no matter where I am, no matter what I do, I can just live my life any way I want, and God's just going to keep whatever he wants to do in my life, that's how it's going to be. It doesn't work that way. Your relationship with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there is a relationship. You get, came into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus brought you and, brought, and took you by his blood, by his death, burial, and resurrection. When you said, Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. This is what happened. God and you came together in Christ. Amen. That's a relationship. Yes. Anything other than that is a religion, not a relationship. A religion will give you a set of rules, never connect you to any individual personally. It connects you to rules and regulations. That's why 
Some of the most religious people you'll ever meet in your life are the most miserable, isolated individuals that you could ever come. They have no compassion for people. Why? It's not about people. It's not about relationships. In their eyes, it's about, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did that, and this is how many candles I lit, and this is how many prayers I said, and this is how many stained glass windows I donated. It is never connected to a person. It is always connected to a set of rules. Rituals. Our relationship with our Father in Heaven is a cooperative relationship. There has to be, a, it's a two-way street. How, let me ask you this question. If it wasn't that way, how would you even know he was real? If you're the type of person that goes walking around, going saying this all the time, you walk around your whole life going, God never speaks to me. God never speaks to I don't know, God speaks to pastor, God speaks to this one, God speaks to Lorraine, God speaks, God never speaks to me. Well, guess what? Are you listening? Do you even have an expectation for him to speak to you? See, because if you entertain the thought, well, God is God, and I'm just this pure, rotten sinner here. I guess that was an oxymoron, pure, rotten sinner. I'm a 100% rotten sinner. If you entertain that, then you're never going to come out of this situation to think that you could ever have a relationship with the Father. If you keep saying, he doesn't talk to me, I never hear from God, I don't know, I don't sense the Holy Spirit, but... You're getting what you say. You are literally blocking your ability to be aware of his presence and be aware that he is alive and that he is speaking to you. And he, and he, so, so what I want you to know is it is a cooperative thing. It is never a one-sided thing. You see what happens is, now, now can I just apologize to you guys for a second? See, you're the fourth service of the weekend. So what you're going to get is all the things that I forgot to say in the other services. <laughs> So I have the tendency to, to come off those services like, this, this point, I gotta make this point, gotta make this point. And you guys come in here and go, and then I go, boom, 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 boom. But I believe God that you're strong enough to take it. Here's what it comes down to. We mix up unconditional love with us having a cooperative relationship with God. See, because you could not do anything to qualify for that love. You could do anything to learn that love, you, to earn the love. You couldn't do anything to earn your salvation. So we think, okay, so because Jesus did it all, and he did, right? Did Jesus not complete everything he needed to complete at the cross? Uh, come on, guys. Everything, everything needed for salvation, was it not completely finished at the cross? Yes. So we think that because that was finished at the cross, that it's finished for us. But it's only the beginning for us. You couldn't have a relationship with God before you came to the cross. Nobody on earth could have a relationship with God that was going to be cooperative without having some faith in God. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. In other words, God was able to take Abraham and put him in a position of right standing with himself because Abraham believed that at some point in history, this Messiah was going to show up, go to the cross, sacrifice himself, give himself willingly to the, to the Romans to be slaughtered. God, the Father in heaven, would take his blood as payment for the rest of the world. Abraham believed this. Amen. And so Abraham enjoyed a cooperative relationship with God Almighty. 
Are you listening? Amen. That's what he's called you to, and that's what he's called me to. Now, I'm going to give you a verse of scripture, and this verse of scripture is going to hit like, boom. But let me just give it to you. Calm down. We're not done yet. And then I'll, let me unpack this thing so you understand how it connects to us. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. Listen to this. Don't read it out loud with me, but just follow me with this. God speaking to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. Now again, put this in the context of you and I are called into a cooperative relationship with God. God's saying, my desire is for you to eat the good things of the land. I'm not, and obviously you understand that not talking about just food, right? Although, you know, for some of us, you would think it's only talking about. He's not only talking about, listen, I want to give you the best steaks, I want to give you the best meals, I want to give, he, he's saying here, if you're going to enjoy a good life on this earth, then you're going to need to cooperate with me and be willing and obedient. Do you see this? Now, some of you shut down because you say, well, that's Old Testament. We don't have to do anything now because we're in the New Testament. Really? Okay. I noticed that all through the Gospels, Jesus issued challenges to individuals. Now, those challenges were based on the fact that he was in some sort of relationship with these people. The rich young warlord came to him, wanted to know, what do I need to do to, to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, no, you don't have to do anything. Just, you know, just come along for the ride. Jesus said to the man, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, follow me. Now watch this now. That man had been eating the good of the land. It says he was very wealthy. But he wasn't willing. It wasn't obedient. And it says, and he walked away sad. Because he had many possessions. The fact of the matter is, the possessions had him. The possessions had him. Jesus said to the blind man, go wash. You remember he put the mud in his eyes? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man did not receive his healing until he went to the pool. Yes. Amen. What did he do? He cooperated with what Jesus asked him to do. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Are you following me? Well, that's Jesus. You know, that's before he went to the cross. Okay, I'll give you that one. Let's go to the epistles. Because now, in the, you know, the letters to the church, that's in Grace. Now, Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's sending it to heaven. The church now is being established. Everybody that comes in is saved by grace through faith, right? Amen. Okay. And so then Paul goes, pray for one another. Forgive one another. Make allowances for one another. Put off the old man. Stop lying to one another. Let go of anger. Let go of malice. Let go of blasphemy. Let go of sexual immorality. Let go of these other things. It's a cooperative relationship. You're not just going to sit there and have things happen. Now, you say, but pastor, is it normal grace? It is. But grace does not manifest except faith is released first. And this is something that's not being taught right now. And so many people are 
misconceiving in their relationship with Christ. Now, you're sitting there, and some of you are feeling the weight of the words that I'm saying here because you still don't understand the cooperative relationship. Isaiah 119, if you are willing, willing. I want to look at it this way. Father, I, I, I can't follow everything you're saying. I don't have the ability. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the strength. I can't stop what I'm doing, but I'm willing to let you come in and do the work inside me. I am willing for you to deposit your grace in me, that grace that empowers me to do the thing that I can't do naturally. What do you mean naturally? Some of us have leaning. Some of us have bent in a certain direction. And once it becomes part of our identity, it's extremely hard to break that, except that we call out to God in faith and say, Father, I need your grace. I am willing to let you work in my heart so that you can bring me to the place of obedience so that I can experience the life on this earth that you desired for me to experience. Are you catching this? I want to get back to this cooperative thing. God created a garden. And that garden was perfect. However, he introduced an imperfect individual into that garden. And although God created a garden where you could eat the good of the land, Adam had responsibilities. Adam could not create the garden. Only God could create the garden. But then God hands it over to Adam and says to him, take responsibility for this. I want you to nurture it. I want you to protect it. I want you to guard over it. Basically saying, keep the snakes out of here. And Adam did not do his part of the deal. And because Adam did not take his responsibility, because Adam did not see it as a cooperative relationship, to the point where it affected his relationship, in the, in, in the fact that he so shirked his responsibility. You know what I mean? Shirked it. He just ignored his responsibility that he didn't even tell his wife the instructions that God had given him before Eve was even created. And so because he just, I guess he thought like some Christians think today, well, you know, he made this garden and he did it without my involvement and so now I'm just going to sit back and whatever he wants to do with the garden, he does. No, it wasn't up to God. It was up to Adam. God has created a garden that your life is supposed to be. He has placed at your disposal everything you're going to need. Peter put it this way. He has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He has, he has given those things to you. How do you access them to bring them from the realm of the spirit where God is? into this natural realm is by faith. By faith, you take hold of the promises of God, which are the grace of God. And as you cooperate with him, see, Adam did not cooperate with him. Adam actually chose to cooperate with the devil and got the results of the devil's kingdom. Adam took the faith 
that belonged to God, yanked it from God, and placed it in the devil, and got the results of that. God never called us to anything other than a relationship with himself. Now, why is this so important? Why is, this, why is it important for us to have a cooperative relationship with God? Is this too heavy today? No. Are you, are you, let, let me explain to you why it's so significant that we teach us. What was the very first thing that the enemy went after in the very first encounter that he had with human beings? It was their relationship with God. The devil hates relationships. He hates relationships. And that didn't, I've always known this, but it didn't click. The importance of it, the gravity of that statement did not click until we had our guest speaker here a couple weeks ago who had been allowed to visit hell. For those of you that were here, and if you didn't maybe listen to it online, there's one thing that he said that just jumped out at me. He said, I noticed when I was in hell that there are no relationships. He said, everyone is an individual cells. Everyone is, even in the, even, he saw, even the people that were burning were, uh, were, were prevented from congregating. They had to stay a certain space away from each other. He said, there's no conversations in hell. And I went, oh my God, that's a complete manifestation of the kingdom of the devil. He hates relationships. So even in hell, there's going to be the full manifestation of the devil's nature, not God's. Are you catching this? Let me ask you this question. Where do you find most of the problems in your life? Relationships. This is why marriages are constantly under attack. This is why friendships are constantly under attack. This is why business, even amongst business partners, employees, staff, where, where do the problems come in? Relationship. The enemy hates relationship. Where does the most problems happen in a church? Relationship. It is the enemy of the enemy because it is the nature of God. The Trinity cooperates with one another. Jesus reveals the Father. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. God the Father reveals the word to us through the Son and through the Spirit. The enemy hates relationships and that's why you will always go through problems. Let me rephrase that. You will always be challenged in your relationships. Almost everything that Jesus taught had to do with relationships. Peter comes to one day. I'm talking about the God side, the man side. Peter comes to one day Jesus had been talking about forgiveness. Jesus had been talking about Matthew chapter 18. Jesus had been talking about confronting individuals that needed to repent, confronting individuals that needed to ask for forgiveness, uh, whether it's from God or from people. And then Peter, it must have struck on the inside. Because a couple of verses later, Peter goes, uh, Jesus, how many times should my brother, brother, not stranger, how many times should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus says to him, what? No, 70 times seven times. And we, the inference is per day. You see, what Peter was, Peter, see, Peter's, Peter's like all of us. Peter's figuring the whole angle out. All right, I, I realize I can't get away with not forgiving, 
But let's see if I can get this thing down to where it's reasonable. <laughs> because, see, most of us like limited cooperation, not unlimited cooperation. So Peter's going, all right, so, so seven times is enough? And Jesus is going, your heart's not right. If you have to count how many times, you're not forgiving. So he says to him, no, 70 times seven. So what was God's desire? God's desire is what? See, see, all throughout this life, and here's what I want you to get today, all throughout this life as a Christian, there's the God side, there's the man side. Could you, could you say that with me? There's the God side, there's the man side. The God side is this. Peter, I want you to live a life where you're, you're quick to forgive. No matter what happens to you, no matter what's said about you, no matter what people do to you, I want you to live a lifestyle where you're quick to forgive. Forgive. Why? Because I'm quick to forgive you, Peter. What's the man's side? Forgive seven, 70 times seven. You, I don't think there's a book in the Bible that you can go through without finding out that we're supposed to forgive. Forgive. Now, can you do that in your own strength? Absolutely not. So what are you going to need to do? For you to receive the power to forgive someone, you're going to have to do what? Cooperate with God. Father, I, I, I know this is your desire. I know this is the God side. You want me to be a person where I'm ready to constantly just forgive, 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 forgive. But Lord, I can't do that in my own strength. So you're asking me, the man side that you're asking me to do, I'm not going to be able to do unless you supply me, because now I'm in a relationship with you, we're a cooperative relationship, it's a, it's a two-way street, you know, I have my faith in you, you are, you are releasing your grace to me, I speak to you, you speak to me, you're pointing things out in my life that need to change, I'm, I'm yielding myself to you. So because of that, Father, watch this now, by faith, this is the man's side, man's side is always to release faith, God's side is always to release grace. You getting this? So, Father, by faith, I receive from you the power, the strength, the ability, because I'm willing to be obedient if you'll help me. So I am asking you, Father, my faith is in you. Give me the strength to forgive. And give me the strength to forgive again the next time when the memory comes up. But most of us want limited cooperation. Pastor, you know, I, I took your advice and I, I forgave my husband, but he did it again. Father, I, I forgave my, 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 my brother, my sister. I forgave my friend. I forgave, but they're still doing the same thing. What am I supposed to do now? Forgive. Forgive. You're not going to be able to do that without his strength. Now, salvation works that way. Forgiveness works that way. Whatever you need from God is going to work the same way. You're going to have to cooperate with him. He's going to require you to release faith. He's going to require you to be willing to put yourself in a position to say, okay, God, I am releasing my faith in you so that you now can release the result of the promise that you've made to me. Are you catching this? Yes. Okay. So now here's what we do, and, and now I'm going to kind of bring the rest of the, drop the bomb, okay? When my wife and I, when our kids were, were little, we lived in Seaside Park for a number of years. And so we would take the kids up to the boardwalk whenever we could afford it. And they would go to the arcades and they would play that stupid skee-ball thing. Okay? And smash everything, and, you know, they're just trying to, because they thought they figured the, quick, the faster and harder to throw the ball, you know. And so, you know, if it hits whatever number, whatever slot it hits in, you get what, what spits out. The tickets. Tickets. 
I remember when they, there was also a time when they spit out little tokens, right? Metal little coins. And so, so what do we do? What do we do as a kid? You, you spend the whole summer just collecting those tickets, collecting those coins. And then, and then at the end of the summer, before Labor Day, all right, you go to the boardwalk with that bucket full of either tickets or full of tokens, and you go, I'll take that eraser. How many of you parents are like fuming because you, I said to the kids, I'll go buy you the thing, it's cheaper. Okay. But listen to me, listen to me. Now, did you get your prize? Yeah. And you, and you saved those tickets, you, you, was, you accumulated, watch this now, you accumulated all that faith and you, you accumulated all those promises and, and you could spit off 10 scriptures to God of why you should receive what you're asking for. And then you get it. And you think that's the prize. But that's not the prize. The prize in the cooperative relationship is this. How did you transform from the time that you first decided this is what I need and to the time that you redeemed your tickets? Did anything change in you? Did your heart change? Did your perspective on life change? Did you all of a sudden, were you able to put yourself in the hands of God Almighty and say, look, I need this. But my hope is that in this relationship that you're going to walk me through this hell that I may have to go through. This morning in one of the services, I came up to somebody after the service and I put my arm around them. This is a young couple that's been through a tough, tough, tough time. I mean, life was tough for them. And then all of a sudden, they're involved in this horrible car accident, damage to one of them physically, and then they, they've got to wait a couple of years before they can get the settlement. Now I said to the person, your prize was not that you finally got the settlement. Your prize is that throughout this process, you didn't grumble, you didn't complain, you didn't get mad at God, you kept praising God, you stayed in faith, you didn't care how tough it got. It didn't even matter whether you got the settlement or not. You knew God had mercy on me, God spared me from this car accident, and I'm going to allow, you allowed him to change you and transform you, and that is worth more than that stupid little eraser that you're going to get from all those tickets and all those coins. But what do we do? Because we don't understand the cooperative nature of our relationship, we get our eyes, listen to me, we get our eyes on the little truck, or we get our eyes on the little ball, we get our eyes on the little racer, and we forget about the process of change that happens in any healthy relationship. Listen to me. My wife and I celebrated 40 years of marriage last August, be 41 this August. Something crazy happened in those 40 years our personalities completely switched. We'll joke sometimes and say, you know what, I, I'm like the woman of this relationship and you're like the guy. <laughs> what happened here? We, we totally, well, but what happened? There's four decades of being in a relationship together. I have opinions and perspectives and, and, and just a view of life now that's totally contrary to what it was 40 years ago. 
Have we been through hell together? Absolutely. And there's the, there's the temptation to get your eyes on the prize. Like, we went into bankruptcy in 1990, lost everything. Everything. And so the temptation is, you get your eyes on the prize. God, I need a house. God, we need a car. God, I need a job. God, I need a career. I need a profession. I need, I need a way to make money. And so you get your eyes on the, on the prize. Get your eyes on the prize. Get your eyes on the prize. And we teach that sometimes. But what's the prize? The prize isn't the stupid little eraser. The prize is you're not the same person now at the end of this process that you were when it started. And that comes because you'll be willing and obedient to allow God to say, listen, I want to eat the good of the land. But you know what? What good is it me eating the good of the land if I'm miserable, if I'm selfish, if I don't care about people, if I wouldn't give a dime to somebody to save their lives? What good is that prize if there's been no change? King David had such a strong desire. He wanted to build that temple. He wanted to build a temple. The Bible tells us he amassed all the materials. In fact, he amassed so much that they stopped counting them and they just waited. Billions of dollars in today's economy. And God says to him, I can't let you build that temple because you shed too much blood during your lifetime. Your son will build that temple. And you come away and you go, man, this doesn't... David had all the tickets. David saved all the tokens. It's time for him to cash in. But God says to him, what is God saying to him? David, I'm more concerned with what you become than what you accomplish. Where's your focus? Is it on the prize? Is it on some prize? Is it on something that you think is going to fulfill you? But are you allowing him? In other words, do you recognize that he's in relationship with you? Because relationships are what change us. God uses them. Start seeing yourself in relationship with God. Not just, here I am, here I am, whatever you want to give me, whatever you want to give me, I'll take it all, I'll take it all. Let him deal with you. Let him change you. Let him, let him affirm you. Let him show you the things that, look, you used to be here. Now you're here. See yourself in relationship with the Father. Talk to him. Vent to him. Let him know. Real quick, I'll tell you another story about King David. You remember the story about him and Bathsheba? David's up on, on you know, his palace and Obviously, he's got the biggest house in the neighborhood, so he can see everybody else's backyard. And he's out there one night when he should have been someplace else, and his next-door neighbor's wife is in the jacuzzi, naked. And he sees her. And he develops this desire. There's only one problem. She's married. So is he. A bunch of times. And so he lets this unnatural passion. You say, well, what's unnatural with that? It's not his wife. He lets this unnatural desire develop in him. And he thinks, I can't control this. I have to have her. To the point where 
What is she going to say when the king's calling you? She can't say no. So she goes to him. She gets pregnant. He finds out. And he sets up this elaborate scheme to have her husband come back from the battlefield to make it look like it's the two of them. And this other man is so honorable that he won't even sleep with his wife. He says, how can I do this when my brothers are out on the battlefield? And now David's faced with a big problem now because if everybody else finds out she's pregnant and it's not from her husband. So he sets up the scheme for the man to be murdered. That's how far he's willing to go to satisfy an unnatural desire. Later on, this whole situation is confronted. God sends a prophet to him. And he says something that you're like, what, God said this? And God says to him, if you lacked anything, why didn't you come to me? If you felt like you were missing something, why didn't you come to me? I would have given you. Here's the problem that we, this is what we do. This is the situation we put ourselves in a really bad position. We don't go to God with all the things that we're dealing with in our life because we don't understand that he desires to have a cooperative relationship with us. Don't you think he knows what you're dealing with on the inside? Don't you think he knows what pulls you? Don't you think he knows what your desires are? Don't you think he knows even the unnatural stuff, even the stuff that's contrary to his nature? Don't you think he knows? And what's he saying? If you would have just came to me with this, I would have walked you through this. I would have healed your heart. I would have brought you to a place of being healthy. But you're trying to handle it in your own strength, and it's going to be a disaster. Are you listening to me? The prize is this, that we allow God to deal with our heart, to get us to the place where we are willing and obedient so that we can eat. In other words, we can have a good, peaceful life. Amen? Amen. Cooperate with him. Let him in. Open up your heart to him. Don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to come up with your own schemes. Don't try to justify. Go to him with an open heart and say, Father, do whatever you need to do on the inside of me. Amen? Why don't you stand up? I want to lead us in a prayer. And I can't force you to pray this prayer. I can just pray it for myself and pray it for those that I believe have the heart for exactly what we're talking about. But if you'll pray today, and I pray that you do, from the desire of, yes, Lord, I want you. I want, I want a relationship with you. I don't want it to be a religion. I don't want this to be all one-sided. I, I want to know that you're my God and you're alive and the Holy Spirit is alive and inside of me and can speak to me and can guide me and to correct me. So let's pray this together. Father, let's pray this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I open up my heart to you. I'm cooperating with you. I'm inviting you to cooperate with me. I recognize that we are in relationship with one another. I want you to have the freedom to do whatever you need to do in my heart to bring me to the place where I can be willing and be obedient so that I can experience 
your peace, your joy, your fulfillment in this life. Father, I'm even willing to invite you into the dark places, places that only you and I know about, so that you can do the work in me. You said, Father, in your word, that you would perfect the things that concern me, that you're working in me to bring about your good pleasure. I yield myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.